your website as a whole should not just seem like a catalog of products. It needs to include the personal side of business when someone is choosing to shop small. So you want to include customer reviews. You want to include information about you and your company. And you want to really use your homepage as a place where your customer can get to know you and make a connection, make that emotional connection so they want to buy from you. That is crucial. Like that is the piece of small business that I think a lot of people are afraid to do. But that's what makes small businesses amazing. Like that's what makes them so much fun to shop from. And that's what makes customers feel a part of something. Welcome to the Product Powerhouse Podcast, where we talk about what it's like to run a product-based business. We'll be sharing specific actionable tips for your online store, chatting with other shop owners to go behind the scenes of their successful product-based businesses, and having a blast talking shop. I'm your host, Erin Alexander. I'm the founder of Alexander Design Company, a web design and marketing agency for e-commerce businesses. We work with incredible entrepreneurs to create an unforgettable online presence for their shop. Now grab a nice coffee and let's chat. Hi, friends. Welcome to another episode of the Product Powerhouse Podcast. I am so thrilled you are here. Creating this podcast is one of my favorite pieces of my business. And I'm so grateful for each and every one of you who tune in each week and listen and you know message me and tell me how much you love the podcast or you comment on my posts and say that the episode really helped you. It's just my absolute favorite. So feel free to send me those messages anytime because I love it. On to today's topic. I recently was made aware that I talk about being a coach in a community, but I never say which community of it is. And today's episode is kind of related. So I thought I would just spill the beans, share all the secrets. I am a design coach, a website design marketing coach inside the Flourish and Thrive Academy, which is run by Tracy Matthews, who is a brilliant business owner. And the community is for jewelry businesses and artists who make jewelry and want to make create, you know, these killer businesses with their jewelry. I love being a coach in the community. I have some met some amazing women in that community. I have gotten to build some really beautiful websites for them as they've hired me. And I even went to New York to be a part of one of their their live events, and it's just been incredible. I've been a coach in the community for just about two years now. We're coming up on the two-year anniversary, and it's been one of the best decisions I made in my business. So every year or a couple of times a year, they kick off their new programs, and they ask me to do website reviews for their program, which is really cool. I get to you know, review websites and tell them how to improve them for conversions, how to make them more engaging and capturing for their audience. So last month, I completed 22 website audits for business owners who are going into their newest program. And I wrote down some notes because there was a few like, there were some things that were showing up in consistently on a lot of these websites that I thought this would make a great podcast episode. And I wanted to point out a few of those things. So here are eight takeaways from doing 22 website reviews that I think will help all shop businesses, all shop owners. Okay, number one, 
you need to be more specific in your copy. So by copy, I just mean the words on your website. So you need to be more specific by doing things like using your brand voice, incorporating your brand voice into everything that is all the words that are showing up on your website. You don't want to use words like collections or products because those are general. That applies to anything. Is it a collection of newspaper articles or is it a collection of band-aids or is it a collection of home decor? Like collection is not specific. So instead, you can use things that are unique to your industry or style. And particularly, you want to incorporate keywords as much as you can. So I'm going to give you some examples. So one example would be instead of saying new collection, you can tell me what the collection is. Gold and emerald jewelry, right? Home decor, the way I mentioned that could be a great one too. Instead of saying newest arrivals, you might say minimalist frames, (laughs) you know, like if they're like minimalist styled frames. Whatever you can use, whatever you can say with your keywords mixed in there while using your brand voice, that's going to make it more clear to your customers but it's also really, really good for SEO. The other thing I've noticed throughout the copy is it seems like business owners are afraid to talk to your customers by using words like they don't want to use or they avoid using words like you or your. Like they try to be almost more... The word that's coming to mind is like the copy feels more sterile, like it's not personalized. This isn't great. For small business owners, your website should feel like your shoppers are buying from a friend. Like you want them invested in what they're purchasing. You want them to feel something when they're making a purchase. It's not like they're just running to the store and grabbing a pack of toilet paper because they need it. Like they're making a decision to choose to shop with you. And that says a lot. What I see in all these website audits I'm doing is that people aren't taking advantage of that. And so... It's a really easy change. So start using your copy to talk to your customers, engage with them, excite them, entertain them, make it feel more personal, make it feel like they're buying from a friend. Okay, so the second one I wanted to point out is that the homepage needs to have more sections than just products. So when I look at Target's website, they just show products or they just show categories, but you're not Target, okay? People are choosing to shop with you because they want to. They want to get to know you. They want to feel that pull. Like there's something emotional in making their purchase when someone shops small. When someone shops with a small business that is run by someone, you know, like the face of the company. Who is the face of Target? No one, right? I I couldn't tell you who the face of Target is. There isn't a face of Target. Your customers aren't shopping from you to get that feeling. They want to get to know you. They want to feel that. And it's not that I'm saying you need to plaster your face everywhere. I'm just saying that your homepage needs to be more reflective of your business as a whole. It is not just a catalog of your products. Your website as a whole should not just seem like a catalog of products. It needs to include the personal side of business when someone is choosing to shop small. So you want to include customer reviews. You want to include information about you and your company. And you want to really use your homepage as a place where your customer can get to know you and make a connection, make that emotional connection so they want to buy from you. That is crucial. Like that is the piece of small business that I think a lot of people are afraid to do. But that's what makes small businesses amazing. Like that's what makes them 
so much fun to shop from. And that's what makes customers feel a part of something. When COVID was really strong or and shops in my area could open back up, one of my local businesses kind of put out a cry for help. And they said, you know, we're struggling. We've had to close our doors. No one's coming in and we're not going to be able to keep our doors open. And the community showed up for them. They said they had their best day in sales ever because people were making purchases. They were thinking ahead. They were buying gifts. That's the beauty of small business. And by not including some of this other stuff on your website, and on your homepage specifically, you're missing out on that. And that's a beautiful thing that you definitely want to like grab hold of and use. Okay. The next thing I want you to take note of is that you need to stop sending people to your social media. Now, I recently made a reel about this, which was really fun. But here's the thing. On every website, particularly if someone has DIY their website, I noticed this, that there's this huge section that's like, check out our Instagram, come follow us on Instagram. And it has like big pictures of Instagram, like, you know, the grid of Instagram. It's like this giant focal point. And guess what that's doing? It's driving traffic away from your website. You're driving traffic from your store to social media where they're gonna get lost in the distraction zone. I mean, like how many times do you open up the Instagram app to like go look up something that someone sent you in a DM and get distracted by whatever was on the homepage? That's exactly what's happening when you're sending traffic from your site to social media. This isn't good. We wanna keep them on your site so they actually make a purchase. We wanna keep them engaging on your website. We want them clicking more pages and staying on the pages longer or scrolling further down. We do not want to send them to social media, whether that's a Facebook group or an Instagram page. What you should do instead, take off the Instagram, take off the social media. If you really think it's important, some people do, even some of my clients think it's really important, put it down at the footer, make it smaller, make it kind of just part of the design and not something you focus on. And then the best time to tell a customer or to send people to social media is either after they've made a purchase or after they've signed up for your email list. So you can send the link to social media in that first email after they've signed up for your opt-in or in that first email in their thank you email. And then tell them, of course, why they should hang out with you on the gram. But you're thinking, Erin, what if they don't? What if they don't make a purchase or they don't sign a list and I've lost them forever? Then you have to remember that people are smart. If they want to find you on social media, they will. (laughs) People are much more smarter than we give them credit for. So if people are really interested in it, but they're not ready to commit, they will come find you on Instagram. You can have a link, you can have a small button in the bottom in the footer. They know where to find that because we've conditioned people to know where to find that. But don't make it part of your sales journey to send them to Instagram or a Facebook community or anything like that. The main two goals of your website should be get them to make a purchase, get them to sign up for your email list. Okay, the next tip or the next takeaway I have for you is you need to start using photos of humans using your products. Or if you sell products for dogs, then you need photos of dogs using your products. (laughs) But no matter what you sell, you need to show your products in use. It's not helping you to just show the product sitting on a blank background. I don't care how cute your picture is. Of course, you need cute pictures, but you also need to show your products in action. If you sell notebooks, show someone writing in the notebook. If you sell earrings, show someone wearing the earrings. If you sell t-shirts, show someone wearing the t-shirts. 
You need to have that human element. And if you have a product that's kind of hard to get in the human element, like I'm, I'm looking at my desk thinking, how would I include the human element in all these products? And maybe home decor might be a tough one, but you might have a woman straightening a shelf or she's just put up her desk. And maybe that's not a product photo. Maybe that's just somewhere else on your website, but it's incorporating that human element This makes it so consumers can picture your products in their own life. It also lets them see a more accurate depiction of the scale. Even if you clued in dimensions, nothing says more than actually seeing it in action. You know that phrase, right? A picture says a thousand words. It really rings true for products. And it makes your business seem more real when there's that human element because you're creating products for humans. Now, I know one of the biggest hurdles for this piece of it, the puzzle, is the cost because it's not easy to take those kind of photos. And it's definitely not cheap necessarily to hire a photographer all the time. So here's what you can do instead. You could potentially trade, you know, if you sell something that people love, right? You could trade your products. If you sell home decor, you could offer like a gift certificate to your store. If you make earrings, you could offer trade up some jewelry, whatever it is you could trade. That's one way to do it. The other thing you could do is you could look in your area for something called a mini session. And a lot of photographers will do mini sessions where it's like a really rapid photo shoot. It's like, 20 to 30 minutes max, and you walk away with several images that can help you to start growing your library of images. That way, you know, you get a few at a time and you could do one of those mini sessions, you know, for 200 or $300, just like a couple chunks at a time and start growing your library. You just want to make sure that the photos themselves are kind of neutral so you can use them any time of year. You might also look for different options with photographers you like. I know the photographer that I had on the podcast, Gary Ann, she was on episode 40 talking about brand photography. She does a collective type thing where you are paying a monthly fee and you get photos every quarter or every month. I'm not sure the exact specifics, but that's a great way to pay a low fee and get a number of products. And when you work with the same photographer, you can maintain the same style. So there are a lot of ways to get good photography, even on a low budget. I also think, and I know this to be true, sometimes we're not sure of the cost, so we think it's too expensive. So do some research and find some of these options for you in your area, because this is what's going to set your brand apart. Honestly, the websites I design that have that human element or the clients that I get that have that human element... 100 times easier to design for, 100, because it just feels more real. On the same topic of photos, the next takeaway I wanted to point out is that you need to make sure your photos are all the same size with the same proportion. So this is really just like a huge pet peeve of mine, but it's really critical for web design. So the images need to either be all vertical all horizontal, all square, whatever size you like, that's fine. But they all need to be the same regardless of what's in the image. So you can't have some that are vertical and some that are horizontal. And this is particularly important for the first image on a product because that's what shows up in like your catalog of products where you like see a bunch at once. And if you're using some kind of hover effect where you see the second image, which is really common in shops, that image needs to be the same size also. The rest of the images in your product listings could be whatever size you want, but the first and second image on every product of your store needs to be the same size. When they are not, 
it just looks sloppy for one. It looks unprofessional is what I mean by sloppy, but it's also harder for people to read it, especially if your website design has the title of the image that like sits directly underneath the product because what happens is if it's a horizontal picture, then the copy is up a little bit or down a little bit. And like the rows of pictures are not straight across and it's harder for our brain to process. One of the things you have to do in web design or one of the like top goals of web design is to make it easy for your customers to purchase. Now, this seems like a small thing, but the truth is it is very difficult for our brains to process that. So you're just making it a little bit harder. So they're going to feel more overwhelmed and feel less interested in what you have to offer. So make those pictures all the same size. You just make a little note in like your notes app of what size photos you use. What is the width versus height? They need to be the same. Here's another really tactical tip. Turn on the options for alternative payment methods. Turn on, and these are in your settings. So turn on PayPal checkout, Apple Pay, Google Pay, Amazon Pay. My favorite is the one through Shopify, ShopPay. If you're not using Shopify, you might have to install some different apps or plugins. Turn on all of them. Anything that you can turn on, turn it on. This makes it so much easier for your customers to check out in the moment. Now, it might be a small percentage of people who actually want to use Amazon Pay or ShopPay, but it is going to help you close the sale a lot faster. Plus, they're not going to have to enter in their information. Honestly, I was just about to order a package or order a, like a sampler sampler from shop I found on Instagram and I had to fill in all my information. Then I got distracted and it reset and I was annoyed. So I just closed it and I'm like, I'll come back to this later. The likelihood of me actually coming back to it is pretty slim. Another great story that I just thought of is the other day I was ordering pizza and I was able to pay with PayPal which was awesome because I did not want to get up and go find my wallet. So the easier the checkout process is, even if it's just, you know, turning on one little setting, they are more likely to follow through and make the sale. They're not going to forget. They're not going to talk themselves out of buying it because you've made it so easy. You really want it to be super easy to capture those payments. The last few here are really tactical, easy to set up, easy to do. The next one I said is streamline your pop-ups. Oh my goodness. The number of pop-ups or alerts or like things happening on the screen on some of the sites that I was auditing was so overwhelming, even for me. And I look at a lot more shop websites than most of your customers. So, you know, I'm kind of used to that. They're not going to be used to it, but you really need to think about your customer journey when you're creating pop-ups or different things. It's really important to think about why they are making the purchase and what do they truly need to know to buy your thing and use your products. Because some of the things you are adding to your site are not important to your customer journey. You wanna use those pop-ups and alerts to support the customer journey. So some of the things I'm talking about is things like pop-ups to get someone to sign up for your newsletter. Sometimes there's like a coupon code of when I'm about to leave the site. Sometimes there's a bar at the top, an announcement bar that says like, oh, free shipping. Sometimes there's reviews button hanging out on the side of the screen or a wish list button or rewards button, a chat bot. The list goes on and on of the different things that I see showing up on websites. You really, really need to think and 
audit these yourself. Go back and see which ones are actually making you sales, which ones are customers actually clicking on, and which ones are supporting your customers through the customer journey. If you find that, yes, people absolutely use that exit intent discount code all the time, then keep it. But then you're going to have to get rid of maybe the sales pop or vice versa. Or maybe you're getting rid of the wish list button that's floating on the side of the screen and you're putting it somewhere else. Think about what people truly need. The other thing that happens is so many pop-ups make your customers feel like you are asking for a big commitment too early in the relationship. And so it just rubs them the wrong way and they quit. Like they just don't come back. They're like, okay, this is too much and they close it. So really be intentional with those pop-ups. Okay. And the last one I wrote, I love this. For the love, make your fonts bigger. (laughs) Too many sites I see have really small fonts that are harder to read, especially when you're using a serif font like Times New Roman. Those are the ones that you see that have like little feet on the bottom of the letters. Those little feet on letters blend together on screens with lower resolution. That's why you'll see a lot of screens use sans serif fonts, ones without the little feet. I recommend, and actually Google recommends your font size be at least 16. I typically start at 16 for body copy and everything else will be proportionally bigger. Bigger sizing is not hurting anyone. Of course, it needs to be, you know, make sense within the context and the layout of your design. But starting at 16 is only making your website more accessible. So if you have a smaller font, go bump it up right away. One thing that I hear is like, it looks legible to me as, you know, the person I'm talking to when I'm telling them to turn the font size bigger. And I want you to remember that it's common for you as the creator to think something is big enough or clear enough, but you're only looking at it on one device. Like maybe you're looking at your laptop or maybe two devices. You look at it on your phone too. Also, you have your own type of vision, right? But someone else might have worse vision who knows, but also they might have a different kind of device. If you have the latest MacBook or iPhone or whatever, then you have a really clear screen, but not everyone is using those. You have to account for those other people because that is who your products are made for. They're not made for you. If your ideal client is even a little bit older, then you're gonna wanna bump up the font size and add a little bit more height between your line. Google recommends that lines be 1.2% or proportionally 1.2 space between. So you need to account for those. So you might even ask your mom or your grandma to take a look and see if they're having, you know, having an okay time reading it. Definitely start at 16. Don't do anything lower than 16. But increasing that font size is going to make your website way more accessible, way more easier for people to read. And um, that's a wrap, actually, of the eight tips that I wanted to share with you. So let me just recap real quick. Use more specific language in your copy. Talk to your customers. Add more sections to your homepage so that it feels like a representation of your whole business, not just your products. Stop sending people to social media until after they've made a purchase or after they have signed up for your email list. Incorporate more photos of humans using your product. Make sure your product photos are all the same size, at least the first and second images of your shop. Turn on the options for any alternative payment methods that you can incorporate into your site. Streamline your pop-ups and alerts so that they're supporting your customer journey and not overwhelming your customers and make your fonts bigger. If you did those eight things, 
you would see that your people might be staying on your site longer because they have more information to digest. It's a little bit easier for them to navigate. It doesn't feel overwhelming. Keeping them on your site longer is going to make them feel a stronger connection with you. It's going to capture their attention. It's going to make them feel some kind of emotional pull towards shopping with you and eventually lead to more sales. I hope you found that helpful. Thanks for listening <laughs> to the podcast. Like I said, I'm so grateful to each and every one of you. If you want to message me and tell me that you love the podcast, you can do that on Instagram. I'm on Instagram at, at product.powerhouse. That's me, Erin. You could also leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. That helps me get the podcast in front of more people. It shows Apple that you like what I've got to say and is sending it out into the world. But if you were doing just one thing, if you wanted to just take one step further and do one thing that would help the podcast and help me, please share this episode with a friend. Anyone else who has a shop, tell them you know why you love this episode. Send them the link. That is the most powerful thing you could do for me if you wanted to help out. <laughs> Thank you so much. And I will see you again or talk to you again next week. Thank you for listening to the Product Powerhouse podcast. It means so much to me that you take the time out of your day to listen to this podcast. It's my favorite thing to create, and I am so grateful that you've taken the time to listen. If you enjoyed this podcast or you have listened to other episodes and enjoyed those, it would mean the world to me if you could take a minute out of your day to leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. This helps me get the show out to more people just like you who are out there trying to grow their own product-based business.